Hello, this is Melissa. It is Real History, Thursday, the 10th of August, the second Thursday of the month, which means that I've got Neil Foster on the line. Hi, Neil. Hello, again. <laughs> so you were just telling me that it's very hot there. Yeah, yeah. We have, uh, we have, we have no AC downstairs in this house because the, the mice got into the basement and destroyed all the stuff and... Our unit packed in, so that's like, they don't want about $7,000 for an AC unit or something, or something crazy like that. So, uh, we well, generally it, stay outside. Yeah, I know. I was talking to a cousin of mine that lives in Florida, and they had replaced theirs. It was like 6500 or 7000 Yeah. And, and I was saying that my aunt's unit was out. But here, it's about closer to 10,000 to replace the unit and I know upstairs yeah. here in my mom and dad's old house the AC is 50 years old and <laughs> literally my brother's got it held together with duct tape and all manner of different insulation projects that he's done to you know every year it, it leaks through the ceiling but there, oh, there's, yeah. there's no way that <laughs> it can get to be 75 years old if we can keep it running we're not paying 10,000 for an AC no, I think it's probably going to be the same here because this is quite a big house, so it's probably yeah. going to be around the same. So that's just, uh, you yeah. know, I'll, I'll stick a fan on and go outside if I need to, that's it. It's cooler yeah. outside, actually. If I sit in the garage with a fan on, it's fine. Yeah. So you said that your wife had the idea of putting ice cubes there on the bees, on the beehive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's not, not something we've seen on YouTube or anything. It's just she got this idea and we had the polystyrene, so we covered the top of the beehive with uh, ice cubes. That's a good idea. Seems to be working. Yeah. Seems to be working. And the, I'll show the, that <laughs> the hens are growing, you said. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I sent you a couple of pictures, but uh, yeah. even, when was that, four or five days ago? They've got bigger mm -hmm. since then. Really? Just every, wow. every couple of days, you go, oh, God, they've got bigger again. Wow. But, uh, Neat. Well, you notice all the, all the feathers come out and, they, you know, there's different colored feathers appear and you go, oh, they didn't have them two days ago. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yes, yeah, uh, they're starting to, I've, I've had to put a, a higher roost up now, so they're getting nearly to the roof. Wow. And, uh, so I'm going to have to build nesting boxes, I think, pretty soon. They're starting to practice. <laughs> they are interesting. <laughs> yeah. So I need to make it easy for them. They're, I mean, we're, I think we seem to be way ahead of what they should be doing, but um, we looked at a couple of things and said, okay, we'll try that, we'll try that, and... Uh, we're not supposed to give them anything but uh, chick feed for the first uh, eight weeks. Mm -hmm. But um, I got some uh, corn, uh, cracked corn, and a mix of uh, you know different wheats and stuff like that. And I just put it in the grinder and ground it down. And mm -hmm. uh, they're only supposed to get ten percent of that a day of their total feed. So in the morning I go in and I give them some of that and mm -hmm. out my hand. I'll eat it out my hand. Yeah. And uh, although, although they're getting a bit strong, they're kind of pecking your fingers now. But, uh, yeah. A bit, a bit bold. But uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, the tub. So do that maybe once or twice a day and that's it. They're happy. That's fine. And the garden's going well? Yeah, yeah. There's much you can do in this heat. You can't, uh, uh, it's very difficult to get seeds going. Just well, I, I've talked to a few people, told them about mine. You know, last year, I started a raised bed garden, a small one, but it mm -hmm. did really well. And this year I, I got some tomatoes and peppers and the kinds of things that you think will do pretty well in the heat. And the tomatoes haven't fruited at all. 
two of the plants got, just died, and I keep them nice and well hydrated. But yeah, well, I, I got uh, the best tomatoes I've had uh, off of a plant that seeds itself last year. Oh, well, that's good. And I had a, I had one of these old, um, you know, these swinging chairs. Mm -hmm. I had one of those frames, and it's climbing its way up that, and it seems to be doing all right. Yeah. But um, anyway, that's. Uh, Everglade tomatoes you're supposed to get for Florida. I've, I've just ordered some seeds uh, today, actually. They should be here tomorrow. Oh, neat. Uh, but, um, yeah, cucumbers. I've got uh, I've got uh, some cucumbers and tomatoes growing upside down ah. in bags. <laughs> so, uh, they're, they're, yeah, we've had a couple of tomatoes and cucumbers are coming along. So we'll see what happens with that. Oh, that's a, a fun idea. Well, you mentioned, uh, I think we talked last week that we, or last month that we were going to maybe do an episode that was breaking down the climate change con for beginners. But meanwhile, you actually contacted the, in, the grassroots environmentalists and we're hoping that he'll respond and actually come on and join us for a talk so we can yeah. approach yeah, yeah, it that I, way. I, yeah, I, I, I think you'd be quite open to it. Uh, yeah, I've heard of her. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she does some good stuff, but uh, if, if he's open to that, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't come on and talk to us, really. Yeah, I don't so, see, yeah. I think, I think yeah, maybe it's... I mean, who knows? He might not even be alive yet. And who knows? You know, the last video I saw was over a year ago, so I don't know. Oh, really? Okay. Well, let's see how that goes then. Yeah. And then the other piece of news is that you are going back to work for the enemy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as I said in our, our little uh, preamble, I must have been doing something right because they, they kind of asked me to come back and speed me through the HR thing, so... Uh, after after the complaining, I needed retraining, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I, well, I, uh, I spoke to one of my colleagues that I used to work with at UPS, and he's he's still there. And uh, I said to him, you know, I said UPS have just uh, called off the strike, and they've um, they've agreed that they're only going to have uh, seasonal helpers for five weeks, and they're going to take them from their own staff first. So there probably won't be that job there this this winter. And he, you know, he's kind of hoping that will be there, but uh, I don't think it will. Mm -hmm. I don't think it will at all. So, but the, the, of course, the Teamsters, uh, the union at uh, UPS, they, they're getting into Amazon now, and they got they got into. Well, uh, I think I explained before, they're all uh, separate little companies that deliver mm -hmm. for Amazon, mm -hmm. and it, they got into they got into one of them there in California, and they had 84 drivers, and they because um, like we discussed before, Amazon said, well, they're not our drivers. So the, the guy who owned that company, that particular company, said, well, if not your drivers, they can get unionized. Because mm -hmm. they're not doing it. So, uh, and then apparently Amazon uh, decided to withdraw the contract for that company. So there's, there's another court case pending for that, I would think. Um, but they're, I think they're, they're very worried that the union will get in there. I mean, whatever you think about unions, I mean, there's good and bad points to unions, of course, because... Uh, well, my personal opinion is that they work for the management anyway, and uh, if they if they say I want 50% pay rise, I'll get a 25% pay rise, and that's what they want in the first place. Mm -hmm. um, and management will agree to that because I mean, the deal they've got with uh, this latest thing with UPS is it's a great deal. I mean, I don't see how the, the members are going to reject it. But yeah, the, the, the trouble I have with unions is uh, they don't allow management to get rid of bad workers. Right. That's that's the big problem. 
if they did allow that, it'd be a far better workplace, and you'd get a you get a far better workforce, and you get more productivity, which I think is what the management always want, right? Yeah. But uh, anyway, that that's a, that's an aside. But yeah, yeah, going back to them, and uh, hopefully I can get through August. Oh. <laughs> I don't have to in, a, in this heat. But uh, my, my friend was telling me yesterday he did uh, 210 stops. Ooh. In this in this heat. And he says there's, there's people leaving because they can't stand it. They can't, they can't cope with the heat. I says, let me guess. I, I bet they're all young people. He says, yeah. He's he's uh, he's just come up to 50. I says they're all young people, and they think there's they're um, you know there's the Superman, and they don't understand. You got to drink water all day. Mm-hmm. They just don't understand it. They just don't understand how to keep hydrated. It doesn't matter how yeah. much you tell them. You know they think ah no no I'll be all right I'll be all right. But uh, I mean when I was doing it last time that was only back in what the la- end of June. That's I was right. drinking. I was drinking four or five liters a day. Really? Easily, and, and never going to the toilet because he was just sweating all out. Wow! Wow, Neil, so. that's harsh. Oh yeah, and then getting in a, a truck or a van, you know, three hundred times a day. Yeah. You know, but anyway, I just turned sixty, so uh, I'll be the oldest one there <laughs> again. <laughs> well, you uh, go show the youngsters how it's done then. Yeah, yeah. Ah, well, we'll see. You have been sending me through the month some interesting articles. I'm just looking back now. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going past the chicken pictures. Well, there, there you go. There, I mean, just just on, on the chickens there. There's there's the original one that I sent you. I think I think you used that in the the last talk. Yeah. Uh-huh. Or the one before. The uh, little, with the chicks, yes, the box, yes. in the yes. box. Well, well, look at them now. Yeah. <laughs> one month later. It's I mean, amazing. Like, you get two of them in the box, that'd be it. Yeah. You actually anyway. didn't you didn't send me that one. You sent me one that was kind of at a distance, so I'll put that one in there and, and everybody can see oh, what they right. look like one month later. But it's yeah. it's really amazing because that is what, oh, about thirty times their original size and so it's it's almost like they're doubling in size every day. <laughs> yeah, well every few every Every week, certainly. Yeah. Easily. I mean, yeah. they're, they're getting heavy. You know, they're, I mean, I can pick most of them up now. They're all right. But, um, yeah, they're, uh, yeah, they're strong little birds now. Mm-hmm. But anyway, the first, the first one I sent you after that was this, uh, the, the fact check was later sent by aliens right out of Congress. Da, da, da. Apparently that thing was 10 years ago. But it's still utterly ridiculous. <laughs> the aliens have been in contact with us and telling us that we've got to save the planet and that we're polluting it and the air's unbreathable and all this rubbish. Yeah. Uh, it's it's, it's like a comic book. I mean, a kid wouldn't believe this. You know? It all fits in with Agenda 21, handily enough. You know? It's perfect. It, it, is, it is interesting. You say that a, a, a youngster wouldn't believe it, but I wonder, because they've been preparing the minds for such a long time. The redux that I just put up on the weekend was that one that Alan did in 2006, Tales from the Crockpot, and he was mm. musing how on earth do people fall for the Anunnaki, the reptilian the yeah. you know extraterrestrial advanced technology and all of that and he said well how they do it is it's done even over generations as long as it takes them to prepare the minds that the, that this is happening and then I, what yeah, sorry, that letter well the letter that you sent me i i will probably use 
the audio clip and the audio version and then the video clip when I make a little video so that people can see it. If you'll indulge me, I'd like to read two pages from advice from the extraterrestrials. Yes, it's true that we have been in contact with your government and heads of power. It is also true that we have been in con it is also true that agreements have been made and kept secret from your people. It is also true that in the past some of your people have lost their lives or have been badly hurt to protect the secret. Our hands had no part in this. We contacted your leaders because your planet is in grave trouble. Your leaders said the vast majority of your population wasn't ready for anything like us yet. So we made time agreements with your leaders as to when your people would be made aware of our presence. Your air, your water are contaminated. Your forests, jungles, trees and plant life are dying. There are several breaks in your food chain. You have an overwhelming amount of nuclear and biological weapons, which include nuclear and biological contamination. Your planet is overpopulated. Warning, it is almost to the point of being too late, unless your people act. There are better ways of deriving energy and food needs without causing your planet any damage. Those in power are aware of this and have the capability of putting these methods into worldwide use. Those in power view it as a military and security threat. That upset me. You mean to tell me that the people in power have the ability to save and better the planet and they aren't doing it? Amnesty. What do you mean? Complete amnesty to those in power. Governments and leaders who have been suppressing the truth that they can't be held liable for any past wrong deeds. It is the only way these leaders can come forward with the truth it is necessary that you do this in order to work together and survive. It was supposedly, like you just said, a letter that was telling people that they had to shape up um, because we were destroying the planet. Well, if you think about it, Neil, that is really the, the script. That's the plot of the movie The Day the Earth Stood Still. Mm -hmm. And when yeah. was that? The mid-1950s, you know? Oh, yeah, the old original black and white. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So it's the same thing. In that one, it's, you know, humans were destroying the planet. And, you know, so mm -hmm. they've been laying the groundwork for people to fall for this for a long, long time. And now you have, I mean, I'm sorry, I, I know that I'll probably open myself up for a lot of people who want to argue this point, which I'm not really interested in doing, but I I feel like this whole disclosure, uh, you know, CIA redacted documents, the teasers that we've had from the mainstream news about UFOs, all of this to me feels like an elaborate psyop. Mm -hmm. I, I've always said to people, if I got a bunch of keys and I strapped a few lights to them and I threw them across the garden in the middle of the night, that's an unidentified flying object. <laughs> Uh, so anything you see in the sky uh, that you can't identify as an unidentified flying object, it doesn't mean it came from outer space. Right. It could be anything. 
you know, it could be a reflection, it could be anything, and uh, people just say, oh, it must be, a, it must be aliens, it must be, because we've never seen that before. Well, that's that's because it's unidentified. That's right. <laughs> and, uh, and most of them happen near military bases. So it's just that must be a coincidence. Yeah. That must be a coincidence. Yeah. And they all happen at the same time all around the world at military bases. This must be a coincidence. But uh, when, they, when they show you, uh, I don't know if you saw the one where they, they put the whales, I think it was in, it might have been, it was in Asia somewhere, maybe Singapore or somewhere like that, or Hong Kong, I don't know. Um, but they put uh, these holograms of whales in the city, flying above the buildings. Oh, no, you didn't send me that. No, that was, that was maybe five, six, it might have been before the first or last chat, I don't know. But yeah, these, these uh, holograms they put up, and they were whales, just swimming around in the sky. I mean, <laughs> they, looked, they looked real. Uh-huh. And I thought, oh, there you go. There's Operation Bluebeam for you right there. They're getting uh-huh. used to it. Oh, look at that. Look at that in the sky. What could that be? Is it is a bird? Is it a plane? Oh, it's a whale. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but uh, it's just... Uh, but even, even watching that video with that guy reading that nonsense out, how he could sit there with a straight face oh. is beyond... It's just... It's unbelievable. It's it's so in-your-face, blatant lies. Mm-hmm. General Floyd, thank you for agreeing to meet with us today. Ah, yes, you are most welcome. Giving you a chance to beg and plead for mercy before we destroy your planet is my favorite part of the job. No, please, don't destroy us. We don't deserve this. <laughs> the looks on their faces. Ah, it's a hoot. Uh, perhaps we should start out by introducing ourselves. Uh, I'm Chief of Space Operations, General Foreman, uh, he, him. Undersecretary of State, Angus Miller, he, him. Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer, Amanda Williams, she, her. And what exactly is a Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer? It's my job to be a black woman. Well, good job, then. And what is this, this he, him, she, her, of which you are all speaking? Those are our gender pronouns, so you know which gender we identify as. Ah, uh, I appreciate that, but I am pretty good at telling the difference between the two genders. A man, man, woman. Hmm. Nailed it. That was a lucky guess, but there are way more than just two genders. Fascinating. We've been probing humans for years, and we have only discovered the two. Uh, how many uh, genders are there? 172. It's hard to know, really. It's changing all the time. So, your species is evolving that rapidly. Remarkable. Uh, perhaps while you are sitting here, you will grow additional limbs or develop the ability to breathe underwater. Um, no, that's not what we meant. So, what are these genders, and how do they function? Function? I don't understand. Why, yes. On uh, my planet, uh, the female gender is the giver of life, raising and nurturing our young, preserving our civilization for eons to come, while the males mostly just mow our space lawns and make multiple trips to Space Home Depot. What you're talking about is sex. Gender is something different. Exactly. People can identify with genders different than their natal sex or with none at all. But why? It's... It's just the way we feel. No! It was the way we were born. Well, of course, a lot of times they don't realize how they were born until someone tells them. Someone like a teacher, social media influencer. And uh, what exactly are these various genders? You, you, you have me very curious. Well, there's non-binary, which is someone who identifies as both genders. Doesn't saying identifies both genders imply that there are only two genders? Was it? No, no it's... 
Shut up. Actually, it's genderqueer. That is the term that refers to people who identify as both genders. You know, like my nephew. I thought that was gender fluid, like my niece. No, no, that shifts around. No, by gender shifts around, like my stepson. Well, it can. Well, oh, unless you're Native American, in which case it's two spirit, like my cousin who got into Harvard because they's one sixteenth Native American. Oh, I understand. On this planet, there are people who are men and people who are women and people who are mentally ill. And uh, as I say, I mean. Okay, well, let's take children out of the equation, but uh, any adult looking at that and thinking that's serious is is mentally ill, I'm afraid. They're true true believers. Well, they want to believe. They want want to believe it. Because they think it's some kind of, oh, this will be amazing, we'll see UFOs coming. Yeah, but uh, if they do a fake alien invasion, those fake aliens will be coming out to kill you. Well, that's the thing, too, (laughs) is that, you know... Well, sometimes aliens are bad and they have bad intentions, but so often they're portrayed in the movies as benevolent and they just care so much. Like the, that, I just looked it up. It was 1951, the original The Day the Earth Stood Still. <laughs> it's they're benevolent. You know, they're a higher, yeah. a higher race, and they they're more advanced in every way, and they just can't stand. They just can't sit by and watch humans destroy themselves. You know, yeah. they, just... must, they must have seen it. They must have seen it on their televisions. Yeah. <laughs> because I mean, I'd, I've never seen them hanging around the streets going, "Oh my God, you're making a mess of that lake." No. You know, why? Why are all those gators floating down Lake Rosalie? Oh, that must be the environment <laughs> groups doing that. You know, as I say, it's, um, you know, I think, I, think I, I wrote, I wrote to you. I also, wow, what an what articulate aliens these are. I mean, they all speak English. You notice that all these aliens speak English. Oh yes, yeah. And, and they're so benevolent to care for us as long as we take action to avert the planetary catastrophe they warn us about. All we have to do is obey and forgive all the politicians in the UN and all these people for all their crimes. That's yes, all we've got to do. that was hilarious. We have to forgive our leaders. Amnesty. Yeah, for, Amnesty for all the criminals in power. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't the ones think who so. The no, I don't think so either. I hear people saying, that, oh, it's the only way you'll get these people to come forward and talk and tell the uh, truth. Uh, oh, they've had plenty of opportunity to do that. They've yeah. had plenty of it. Yeah. Uh, all they had to do was step outside the box and say, right, this is enough. Well, this is what's happening. And uh, all they say, oh, well, if one person steps outside and says something, they'll just be bumped off. Well, why don't they all do it at the same time? Mm-hmm. Quite simple. A whole hospital could could come out, the doctors and everything could say, no, this COVID thing's a scam. We're not doing this anymore. You know, the, the city commissions could come out and say, no, this is a scam. We're not doing this anymore. But they don't. So they don't they don't deserve any forgiveness for anything. No, they don't. I mean, it's it's built into the system that the kind of people, and, you know, Alan's talked about this forever and ever, but the people who gravitate towards those positions are psychopathic. Yeah, it's it's that simple. They don't care. So why should we? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I, I guess I mean why why should we? Well, because we should care because we're different from them. But uh, why should, why we should care about them and, and what their uh, their future holds for them? No, no, I don't care. I, I, the less of those people on the planet, the better. Well, that, it's. Now, it's not so much about caring, it's, it's that, that there is no amnesty. In other words, when people have committed the kinds of crimes against humanity, just 
Forget about the last three years and look at the sky and how long the spraying program has been going mm-hmm. on. Uh, so yeah. I, I, I get so tired of the, well, they didn't know or they were misinformed or he was naive or he got in there and he tried or whatever. No, no, no. So we're supposed to we're supposed to get forgive Stalin, are we? Oh, yeah, he just, right. he was just, he just he was just misinformed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he didn't he didn't know the peasants were starving. He was just misinformed. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure by his uh, his advisors. Yeah, but, so his advisors didn't know either. So why were the advisors? You know? Exactly. <laughs> so they're, they're uh, no, they're enablers. I think it's the word for them. But uh, right. yeah. Yeah, I mean this. This obviously this. Uh, this well, apparently he said it was in a book. He didn't. He didn't say what the name of the book was. This guy. No, um, and that was the frustrating thing about the video is every time you thought that you were going to be able to see the book, he just kind of flipped it over, and that was it. You couldn't see the title. But that whole yeah. thing reminded me of an old sci-fi. I think it might have been from like an Outer Limits or a Twilight Zone or one of those old things where. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the name of the book what that the aliens had was How to Serve Humans. <laughs> and so because of that, the humans all thought that they were benevolent and that they had studied this book on how they could help humanity and everything, but it was a cookbook. <laughs> how to Serve yeah, Humans. Yeah, how to serve humans, yeah. On a, on a silver platter. That's right. Yeah. But I, I guarantee that book was written in English as well for them. Just of course, yeah, of course. Well, yeah. they I think they covered that in the old Star Trek and a lot of other sci-fi where they have those yeah. little yeah, they did that one. translators. Yeah, they did that one with the, the overcrowded planet. I remember that one. They're all trying to get onto the Enterprise and get off the planet because there was too yeah. many of them. Yeah. yeah. I don't have to them. They, they probably got... Uh, they probably wrote a book and sent it to Earth and said, "Look, you're destroying a planet. Come and see yeah, us." Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's, it's amazing uh, that uh, aliens were, used, were, were still using the printing press. They're such high tech. <laughs> get all all the way to Earth, and all they can use is the printing press and publish a book that nobody gets to see. But, uh, they should have done a YouTube. They should have done a YouTube. That's it. <laughs> that's right. Open an account, you know. Well, yeah, yeah, I know. If they're so technologically advanced, why aren't they just beaming goodwill and in directly into our minds? You know, just beam the well, goodwill, have, and there you go. Yeah, they could have told. They could have told Elon Musk, and he could have beamed it in everybody's minds. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Mister Mister Savior of Humanity, Elon Musk. Yeah. Speaking of speaking of Elon Musk, this brings up a kind of a serious thing. That that we went back and forth on a little bit, but Malima has come out, the politician in South Africa. He's been singing mm-hmm. the "Kill the Boar" song again. Yeah, this, I saw that. Yeah, and so he's been critic. He was criticized for it, but now he's doing it again, mm-hmm. defending it. And there, I I saw a couple of news stories that 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 his doing that has led to a new spate of farm killings. But we are pretty lucky in Australia. We have a long way to go before we reach the frightening depths of societal decline occurring in some other parts of the world, like South Africa, where political leaders chant about genocide, about killing white farmers in stadiums 
full of supporters. Shoot to kill the mother, kill the poor, the farmer, kill the poor, the farmer. Brr, pa, pa. That was the leader of the Economic Freedom Fighters Party, Julius Malema. And if you think he is even a little bit sorry about it, then think again. I will sing this song as in when I feel like. It's not my song, it's a struggle song. Now this chant of killing the Boers, killing the white farmers is being presented as just a civil rights anti-apartheid chant. As if that shocking history of farmers being targeted in brutal attacks where they are robbed, tortured and in some cases murdered, as if that's never happened. These attacks are real. And yet this murderous chant is not only tolerated, but celebrated by some race-baiting miscreants. <laughs> in the space of a week in June this year, there were seven farm murders. And these cases are horrific, including Pierre and Belinda de Kock, who were murdered on their farm in Picketburg in the Western Cape. Their bodies found with stab wounds to the neck. That was within days of one of the most sickening attacks uh, where Anik and Henny Klassen, both in their 70s, were tortured before being set on fire while still alive. Seven farm murders in the space of a week. These people are real. These farm attacks are real and have been happening for several years now. But South Africa's Equality Court ruled just last year that chants about killing farmers were not hate speech. And leader of the Economic Freedom Fighters Party, Julius Maliba, wants you to know things can get worse. Listen to this incredible interview where he says, we have not called for the killing of white people, at least for now, but he can't guarantee what will happen in the future. Let's get our land and let's work our land. I'm hated for that. What? What? Where? I mean... Uh, uh, I don't, I, I, I don't know what's going to happen in the future. I'm saying to you, we've not called for the killing of white people, at least for now. I can't That's, guarantee the future. Yeah, but I mean, you'd understand somebody watching that, especially as it gets shared on Twitter, they freak out. Ah, it sounds like a genocidal ah, call. Ah, cry babies. Cry babies. I'm not calling for the, the slaughter of white people, at least for now. The, I, I, I can't give a guarantee of the future, especially when things are going the way they are. Can't give a guarantee of the future. Genocidal... Crybabies. Crybabies. Yeah, if yes. you don't like genocide, what's wrong with you? There you go. Nothing to worry about there. And since that clip of the stadium chant went viral, we've seen the usual suspects in the Western media defend the call to kill white farmers. Look at this disgraceful bit of work from the New York Times. Despite numerous farm murders in South Africa, the New York Times pretends Kill the Boa is just an anti-apartheid chant that is needlessly upsetting right-wing commentators. This would be the same New York Times that sees racism everywhere, including in the OK hand signal. Yeah, that's, that's racism. That's suddenly a hate crime. As is saying all lives matter or saying white lives matter, that's hate. But chanting about killing boas, killing the white farmers, shoot to kill, well, that's just harmless political chants. Don't go getting all hysterical about it. If you can't by now detect the very real, very dangerous anti-white racism, the dehumanisation and degradation of people based on nothing other than the colour of their skin, then you haven't been paying attention.
is, inc- is, is incited murder. Exactly. And the, and Musk has brought attention to this. So Elon Musk, who is from South Africa, has brought mm-hmm. attention to this. And the way the mainstream press here is covering it is to vilify Musk for making up a fake, phony problem of the so-called white genocide. <laughs> yeah. Well, why, why don't some of these white folk, uh, these reporters, uh, go over there and uh, stay on a farm for a weekend yeah. and see how safe they feel? They could take the cameras and everything and see how they get on. Stay there for a month, see what happens to you. Yeah, they're, they're all, they're all uh, very brave unless it comes to putting their own life on the line. Yeah, no, it's it's all very, it's all very very controlled. Uh, you know mm-hmm. what we're what we're supposed to think about it. I'm not sure. I haven't t- sat and analyzed why is Musk saying something about this now, because Malima was singing that song before, oh, and long I, time ago. you know, a long time ago, and I don't remember Musk weighing in on it then. So why now? And. Mm-hmm. I ha- I did not hear his exact words, but there has to be a way. There is a way because I, with Darren, spoke to Petrosito, who's bringing attention mm-hmm. to this, who is a black man. There is a way of discussing this problem without saying white genocide. That this is a bigger problem, and it has to do in large part with ANC corruption, and mm-hmm. in and. Above that, I think, uh, you know, I, I think something even more sinister. Well, it's almost like Bolshevism. Mm-hmm. It's, it's going down that road. It's going to go down that road where they're going to create a famine on their own people. Yes. Because there won't be any farmers left. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the ones that are there now, I mean, I, I don't know. I, mean, I, I did watch that video. Uh, I think, was it Farmlands? Which yes. I thought was a bit tame. I thought it was a bit tame, actually. And I don't know how that uh, good-looking blonde girl could wander around South Africa on her own. She must have some pretty good bodyguards, I I could imagine. But uh, it was very tame, and I I think deliberately so. I I don't think it was really going to... I mean, she got onto the the guys that were getting ready to, you know, fight back. And Mm -hmm. it showed them all the armories and everything they had, all the, the, the prep they'd been doing. Uh, for a civil war, which is what she called it. I mean, I don't think these white guys really stand much of a chance if, that, if that's the road they're going to go down. But, of course, they also explained in that that they couldn't afford to get out of the country because they weren't allowed to leave. Mm-hmm. Now, if they're not allowed to... I mean, if these guys want rid of the white farmers, then let them leave. That's quite simple. You know, and the same thing The same thing happened uh, when Mandela was in. A lot of this, this stuff was going on back then. And they, they, were, um, they were having trouble... Uh, getting food from the farms, you know, because all the a lot of the uh, the black workers just left, and the white farmers left to do it themselves. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, again, like Elon Musk, why was why didn't he talk about uh, Mandela? Why didn't he talk about Winnie Mandela putting tires on people's necks and setting them on I know, fire? I know. Why that? I know. Everybody has the sanctioned, authorized talking points, and that's what we get. And uh, I mean, what what what? How many years of apartheid? You know, how many years did that go on? And, and then after that, there's worse things going on after that. Right. A lot worse. A lot worse, and nobody said anything about it. No. You know, and I, I did see uh, a long time ago, and I, I think it's pretty hard to find now, that the UN said that Africa 
uh, could feed the whole world. No problem at all. And Mexico and other Latin American countries, or uh, yeah, Latin American countries, would be a like a reserve breadbasket. Now, the UN actually said that. Now, now they're destroying it. Yes. It's obvious there is a, you know, a war on food. This is a Mm -hmm. key element of the horrors that are, that remain to be unleashed. Uh, And I think that's that's starvation, food shortages, all of these things. We're already seeing it. We saw it during COVID. Mm -hmm. Uh, Supply chains. It was an excuse but a key component of what we have to live through is going to be widespread food shortages, famine, starvation. Well, yeah, I mean, there's, there's many ways to do it. Obviously, inflation is one of them. Yes. I mean, if I, you know, I'd, I'd go into like the stores and you'd see people on food stamps, right? They're, they're putting that uh, card into the machine, the food stamp card. And you're thinking, well, you know, prices have gone up like 20, 25%. Their money's not gone up. Right. So... I mean, and they're buying all the all the junk, the, the own brand stuff, which is just. I mean, if you if you open one, I mean, I'm not, you know, saying that the corporations are any better regarding nutrition or whatever, but um, if you open up a can of, I don't know, baked beans for example, and it's the great value baked beans, and you put it against, I don't know, one of the one of the big big names, we all know who they are, um, and you opened up those two tins, you see a complete different food. Yes, I know. You know, and unfortunately, you know, that's, I know. that's what, what you're talking about, because I've, I've actually done that. Like, you've got a brand baked bean, and it's full of baked beans, and the store brand, like you said, great value, it's literally more than half liquid, the, the, yes, ju- and, and the gravy or whatever they call that, and very few beans. It's, it's disgusting. Water. Yeah. It's mostly water. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that, that's that's what these um, un, well unfortunate people are, are, are eating, and they, they that ain't going to keep them fit or healthy. So if um, as again again inflation's twenty twenty five percent, it's going to be year on year. It's not just going to stop. So how are these how are these people going to do it? But again, I do. I almost um, Paul was on at me a, a while ago. Says you, you should try and teach people how to how to budget. Because I do it here, obviously. I do it in the house. I've done it for myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I've done it all my whole life. I had, I had a cafe, so I had to do it. Right? And um, people don't know how to budget. They, they've just lost... You know, I mean, back in our day, our, our parents, our, grand, our grandparents, say, go back, go back 60, 70 years, they knew how to budget. They knew exactly what they had. Mm-hmm. You know, and they knew exactly what they could afford to buy, and they, they, knew, they knew it was far cheaper to cook food than it was to buy it processed. I mean, even back, even back 70, 80 years ago, it wasn't processed foods, so uh, no. I didn't have that option. But I still see what I would call, you know, I don't know what the word is. What do they call it? Disadvantaged people. That's that's what they call them. So that's that's the word they'll use, right? The poorer, poorer members of society. You see them buying all this this garbage, great value brand stuff, and I mean everything. Everything's that. It's not. There's nothing in there that's uh, higher quality. And uh, at the same time, they're buying. Like pre-packed meals, you know, TV dinners, just and chips and just all the junk food as well. So there's, there's nothing good in their in the shopping cart because nobody's taught them to 
to cook, basically. No, I, I was speaking with a couple on the, in this show, the uh, Book of Hours couple, and they w- had a garden, and they lived, and they, they've since moved since I t- talked to them, but they lived in a area outside of Pittsburgh, I believe. Mm-hmm. And they, they, it was not a, a great neighborhood, particularly, but they said, you know, their friend said, well, aren't you afraid that things are going to be stolen from the garden? And they said, look, that nobody knows how to prepare this stuff, you know, real, real food, vegetables and, and mm-hmm. salad makings and so forth. And they, it's, it's a very sad, it's a tragic thing. This isn't, though, just disadvantaged people who no longer have what you might call home economic skills but it's kind of across the board of making sure that people just don't know how to take care of themselves in yeah. simple well, I mean, ways there, yeah i mean those at the top have no skills whatsoever except lying to you yeah that's just that's the only skill they have if, if some if they were if they were put and even into a standard home right with a cooker and a fridge they wouldn't know how to do anything Mm-hmm. They would not know how to cook a, a meal for themselves. No, they you know, wouldn't. You give them a, a piece of chicken or whatever. They say, well, there you go. That's what you're getting for today. Oh, what, do I, what do I do with that? You know? Yeah. <laughs> that's, about, <laughs> that's a pretty good Klaus Schwab imitation. I actually do his voiceovers, but I don't want to tell anybody that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you sent me something else here from a paper that I'm not familiar with called the European Union Times, but the article was 13 nations agree to abolish farming in order to, quote, save the planet, end quote. It said the global climate cult is getting ready to kick its war on food into overdrive with 13 nations, many of them major cattle and food producing states led by the United States, Argentina, Brazil, Chile, and Spain signing on to a commitment to place farmers under new restrictions intended to reduce emissions of methane gas. The Global Methane Hub announced in a May 17 press release that agriculture and environmental ministers and ambassadors from 13 countries, including the U.S., have signed a commitment that pledges to reduce methane emissions in agriculture. The U.S. was represented by Biden's climate czar, John Kerry. Now, the article goes on there, but there is a link that you can click there because obviously this article is written by people who understand the scam that is going on and how detrimental this is to everyone's lives. So, but they've supplied the link from a real organization called the Global Methane Hub. And this was in May of this year where these countries commit to mitigate methane. So what that means is that the countries that have signed on, that includes the U.S. and all the other countries that I mentioned, they they say these food systems are responsible for 60% of methane emissions. We congratulate countries willing to starve their people. No, I'm sorry, I didn't say that. We congratulate countries willing to take the lead in food systems methane mitigation and confirm our commitment to support this type of initiative with programs that explore promising methane mitigation technologies and the underpinning research of methane mitigation mechanisms. You know, they just make up jargon. They just make stuff up. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> I, I thought it was CO2. There's no CO2 that's a problem. 
Uh, yeah. But uh, suddenly, it's, it's not, now they've got to get rid of humans, and then they... I, I mean, if they get rid of the humans first, why do they need to get rid of the cattle? I don't understand it. Because uh, I'm sure they'll be eating cattle. And, and here... Yeah, the different uh, the different agriculture ministers and so forth weighs in. John Kerry, whose title is U.S. Special mm. Presidential Envoy for Climate, I think climate. I want to see his credentials. Yeah. I want to see his qualifications. <laughs> well, he remember he's married to the Heinz heiress, so that's mm -hmm. all the yeah. Heinz food. So he he knows yeah. a thing or two about making money off of food. Well, bean, yeah, beans used to be a, a kind of a slang term for money, right? So yeah, beans means Heinz, and, and the slogan for Heinz was beans means Heinz. Yeah, that's right. So there yeah. you go. I, we, we that that. I, I didn't see that recently. <laughs> but you know something, Neil? See, these are the people that we're supposed to forgive of their crimes according to the aliens. Yeah, and none of them in these pictures look like they're, uh, they're suffering from a lack of meat pies. No. no. You know, um, I, bet, I bet they're not going home and eating a, a piece of lettuce and a carrot and a celery stick. No. Maybe, maybe maybe that one with the green trousers in the middle, she, maybe she does, but uh, she looks a bit porky for that, so I think she's been on a, a couple of ribs. I, I think so, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny just, all these... Uh, she, she dyed her hair to look like a carrot, but I don't think she actually eats yeah. them. Yeah. She kind of, I don't know if that's supposed to be the Indian flag she's representing or the... <laughs> yeah, I'm not quite sure. But uh, she, she oozes wokeness. Yes, she does. I don't think she's got, oh, she got flip-flops on or something. Yeah, yeah. But let her go walk in the jungle, see if she can pick... Well, let her come down Florida, walk amongst the uh, the water hyacinths, let her pick a few apple snails and see how she gets on with them. <laughs> you know, and uh, avoid the alligators or not. Mm. But, uh, yeah, it's... Um, these people are maniacs. I mean, how can anybody possibly think that uh, getting rid of farmers is, is going to... Is, is, well, they'll be saying that uh, getting rid of farmers is going to solve world hunger. Well, it is, because mm -hmm. everybody will die. The people like this, all these bureaucrats that showed up to sign this agreement saying they want to abolish farming in order, or mit excuse me, mitigate methane to save the planet, these people, these useful idiots, all believe that they'll come through. They're going to be protected. They're doing the right thing. Some of them, I'm sure, are true believers, you know, that if we don't do take drastic measures, you know, the earth. And they, the head of the UN, yeah, they are cult members. And the head of the UN yeah. has already told us a couple of weeks ago that the planet is boiling. We've passed global warming. Oh, yeah. And yeah, we've reached that. the boiling point. He's, he's no stranger to a few stakes. No, guy. he's not. He's not. Yeah. Or the other one at the World Bank. He's even bigger than him. He, he must be a... He, he probably eats half a cow a week. <laughs> oh, all we need all we need is a few of these characters just uh, all over the place. And they'll solve the livestock problem because they'll eat it all. <laughs> you know, while we're eating crickets. Well, there you go. Yeah. That's a plan. That is actually a good working plan. I think you need to write a paper and send it... Yeah, eat more meat, you guys, and then that'll solve the, that'll solve the methane problem, except it'll be coming out you, rather than the hot air that comes out of your mouth. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, there was another one there, the war on farmers. I think I was just saying that today or yesterday. Uh, and this is in the Washington Times, and it says, the, the world war on farmers. As governments tear down the agricultural sector, what will they replace it with? <laughs> A lot of dead bodies, I'd imagine. Mm -hmm. Um and it's an opinion piece, and it was uh, what's this, July 7th, 2022, so this is over a year old. 
Today, due to rapidly increasing food prices and shortage of supplies, humanity is facing the worst hunger crisis the world has seen in decades. These are unprecedented times. It warns who else but the UN. To compound matters, a recession appears to be just around the corner. I think we were already in one back then, uh, if not a depression. Uh, why then are farmers being prevented from doing their jobs? Without farmers, the world would collapse. Well, there's a true statement. Farming is arguably the world's most important profession. Well, there's another one. Right now, though, it's under attack. On June 28th, according to Bloomberg, hundreds of furious Dutch farmers gathered to protest the government's nitrogen reduction targets. However, as the investigative journalist, journalist Kit Knightley recently highlighted, the idea that Dutch farmers were protesting emission targets was a massive lie by omission. He's right. The Netherlands is home to thousands of dairy farmers and over 1.5 million dairy cows and calves. Moreover, the Netherlands is the EU's largest exporter of meat. The reduction of emissions, as Mr Knightley so rightly pointed out, actually means reducing the number of pigs, chickens and cows by about 30%. And I'll add that uh, I believe the Netherlands is uh, this, the biggest exporter of food on the planet by land area. I might be wrong, second, second, second biggest, I think they're the first actually, but just by land area, and it's a very small country. I don't know if people actually in the States will realise how small Holland is. You can drive across it in half a day, you know, in some parts. Well, I knew that it was very small, but I did not know that it was such a big producer. Yeah, I think they, they supply the, the biggest bulk of uh, exports to the world. It's, I mean, it's, it's, well, it's, it's very flat. I mean, it's, uh, it's right on the coast. See, if you, and, think, uh, about, if you think about that, and then you go back to South Africa which was at one time called the breadbasket of Africa. Now, you have the UN, Mm -hmm. you mentioned this thing saying that basically they could, you know, feed the entire world, but Mm -hmm. certainly it has been the breadbasket of Africa, and you can see the war on farmers. You've got to be able to put two and two together. Yeah, I just just typed in Africa can feed the world, and uh, what's the first thing that pops up, do you think? I, I don't know. The World Economic Forum. Africa can feed the world. Oh. And here it is. This is 2023. This is this year. How Africa mm-hmm. can help feed the world. What's needed for true food security. It's not that guy chanting, kill the boar, is it? Mm-mm. That's not, no. So uh, they say, we meet at the a defining moment for humanity. Someone somewhere in the world has just welcomed the 8 billion, 8 billion human on the planet. Uh, they don't even know that's right. That baby's life will be shaped by our collective success in the fight against climate change while having to feed a growing global population. You notice it's their collective success, not ours. Mm-hmm. It's, they, don't, they don't say your collective success. Ensuring food security for all while protecting the planet for generations to come is not an opinion. It's a global imperative. So why are they, why are they uh, getting rid of Dutch farmers? If it's an imperative to feed the planet, why are they getting rid of one of the most successful countries on the planet producing food? That's just nonsense. It is nonsense. And if you look at, like in the United States, what has been going on with farmers for decades, but I'm thinking in particular with livestock farmers, cattle farmers, they because it's so easy to vilify them and talk about how much methane a cow produces... But the war on cattle ranchers has been intense now for a, a, at least a couple of decades. Yeah. They have I'm, they I'm have just... they have no right they have no property rights. You know what I'm saying? 
This has yeah. been demonstrated over and over in court cases that the Farm Bureau does not think that cattle ranchers have farm have private property rights. No. I mean, it's, I, I'm just scrolling down this list of uh, links that come up uh, by putting in Africa could feed the world. And uh, you've got uh, one of the big German papers, Africa could feed itself with the right infrastructure, theafricareport.com, Africa could produce enough food to feed the world. Scroll down here, uh, African farmers can fight climate change and ah. feed the world. Uh, Africa can feed the world, that's the Guardian. The International Monetary Fund, how Africa can escape chronic food insecurity because <laughs> they could feed the world, right? right. Uh, the, the World Bank, Africa could feed itself, earn billions and avoid food crises. So why are they starving? Right. The United Nations, feeding the hungry in Africa, not all is lost. Well, it's the same United Nations that said they could, they could feed the whole planet. So uh, they're starving for a reason, and it's not because of lack of food. That's right. Or and lack of uh, producing food. Do you remember, I, I can't remember his last name right now, but his first name is David. He has been the UN, uh, I don't know what his title is, but he's the food guy. And do you remember at the height of COVID that he came out and said that hundreds of millions of Africans were already starving because of supply chain problems and drought, and he had a whole list, a whole laundry list. David Beasley. Yeah, David Beasley. You know, so, and I was thinking to myself, remember when they started publishing those lists of by what percentage all the billionaires' wealth, their personal wealth, had grown during COVID. Oh, wow, there. Just got cut off. I mentioned David Beasley, we got cut off. That's... <laughs> they're watching yeah. us. Uh, who knows? What I was saying was that there was at one point, and I don't think that my computer is not going to let me pull this up there, but David Beasley... Where was he? Oh, 350 million are marching toward hunger. This was, this was, he had already said this in 2021. He'd made a, a, a big call. Then again, in April of um, this year, yeah, he said that. that 350, he said billions of dollars are needed to avert unrest and starvation. Uh, he had given it a price tag. This is why it raised $14.2 billion for um, the World Food Program. I would really love to see the accounting on that, wouldn't you? <laughs> oh, yeah. Wouldn't, I wonder wouldn't you just love to see that, the accounting on that? Yeah, um, I want to see the audit trail. I want to see the audit trail uh -huh. for that one. Yeah. yeah. The thing that I was so just going to mention before we got cut off there was now 14.2. That's a tidy little sum that we'll never know what actually happened to it. But earlier this year when he was calling for an amount, it was a, it was a modest amount. I believe it was under a billion. And he said, this money, right, we need it right now to avert disaster in Africa. And I was thinking to myself, remember, Neil, remember when they gave us all that PR on how the money that each individual billionaire had increased his wealth by during COVID. Mm -hmm. Pe people oh, yeah. like Bezos and Musk and, and Gates, Gates, all of these, yeah, they had increased their wealth by billions and billions of dollars. And I thought, well, if the world's 20 richest billionaires took 
just a billion of the billions that they increase their wealth by. Well, there you go. Problem solved. They never yep. put their money where their mouth is. The, the show no. of philanthropy is just astonishing to me. It's, well, it's, it's like uh, it's like uh, these uh, so-called charitable events they have, the Red Nose Day and all that kind of rubbish. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the National Lottery in the UK, I remember, used to show you, um, you know, oh, we collected so much for this uh, this program and... and Zimbabwe or wherever it was. Look at these. We're helping these starving children da, 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 with this money. And uh, you see all these uh, these people in the background, all these white people who are obviously getting paid. Mm-hmm. You know, and you think, wow, they ain't getting they ain't getting paid like fifty dollars a week. You know, they're getting paid, you know, five, six, seven hundred dollars a week. Mm-hmm. And uh, if they gave a half of that to these poor Africans, uh, that would probably do them a lot better good than getting anything from the UN, because uh, most of that's going to salaries. It's going to salaries these these charlatans. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, if you think about it, what you're looking at with the so-called philanthropy that comes from these people, where do they, how do they amass their wealth? Well, a big part of it is corporate welfare. That means your tax dollars and my tax dollars are already paying corporate welfare for these billionaires. We sit home terrified during COVID while they're raking in billions and billions more. And then they come to us again and plead and say, you know, people are starving. Well, of course, I hate that. But well, it's just, they're starving because of a corrupt, diabolically corrupt system. Yeah. I mean, it's like the Clinton Foundation and those those other characters in oh. Haiti. Oh. You know, it's like them. And then Bono. I mean, Bono's another one. That's uh, somebody, you know, who needs to be on the end of a rope, in my opinion. Uh, pranced about the, the UN with his fancy sunglasses and claiming this and that, and he, oh, he's helping this people. But his own charity only gave 1% of the money that was raised to charity. Yes. And even, even the mainstream media reported on that. I know, because it's just but, so... It's, Irish, it's shocking. Irish, Irish people still love this guy, and he's mm. banned. And they still praise them. Oh, the best thing that come out of Ireland. Yeah, and all their money goes abroad. They don't pay taxes. Yeah. They're so patriotic. They're so patriotic. You know, they don't pay a tax in their own country to help people. They don't go out in the streets help the homeless there. No. No, they you don't. Know? You know, Alan always, he, he really nailed it. And I think about this often. Unfortunately... They've trained us as part of the system to worship them, to worship their billions, to worship them for, you know, quote, making, end quote, it, like they really made it. <laughs> but we're, we're trained to worship them. Well, Elon Musk, go back to him, he's, he's only wealthy because he got all his money from taxpayers. Mm-hmm. That's it. He was subsidized for everything. He never put one cent into anything. You know, yeah. it's it's just it's a farce, and uh, the, the, you look at you look at uh, some of these projects they come up with, uh, like what what's he going to do? He's going to go to space or something, SpaceX or whatever. It is. Yes. Think of the think of the money that takes. Think of the money that that takes, and and if you really wanted to do good for the world, you could do it. All these, like you said, all these characters could, if they wanted to solve the world's problems, they could do it overnight. Yeah. If they really believed what came out of their mouths. You know, if they really kids, wanted, if they really wanted to solve the world's problems, hmm, they would eliminate well, the money system. Hmm. Correct. <laughs> but then they'd be as poor as the rest of us. Oh, that can't be. Well, no, they wouldn't actually, because we can't. We can actually do things. 
We actually yes, know how to survive. Yeah. <laughs> we, cook, we cook. I'd like to see Bono on a desert island. Yeah. Or, or, uh, what, you know, him and Bill Gates on a desert island. Yeah. Uh, I've got a fishing rod here. I've got a reel line. I've got hooks. I've got bait and everything. What, what do we do with this stuff? How do we put it together? Speaking of that, as a total aside, before we uh, hit the record button, you said that you had just popped dinner in the oven. What's for dinner? I'm having honey lemon garlic chicken. Ooh. That sounds with, good. Uh, with roast potatoes, with rosemary, and a bit of garlic in that as well, and a bit of salt. And that sounds it. really good. Yeah, yeah. I, like cooking. I like cooking. I said to Paul last night, we need to find another recipe for today. So we'll just look something up. As, as I said to you before, the only thing YouTube's good for is how-to videos. Yeah. That's it. That's all I use it for. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. What else is on your mind? Well, I can't remember what I said. As I say, it's a silver. It's a month. It's, so it's a long kind of time to remember. Oh, I, I think you said, I don't think you had time to watch it. It was uh, from the Sar- S- Sergeant News Network, and the guy was talking about uh, the bugs and how the UN's got this program. I can't play it because of the video. It'll just uh, go over stuff. But um, that was well, quite interesting. Well, I, yeah, I didn't have that. Just came in today, and I didn't look at it. But you said you didn't know who he is. But it's too bad that he had to swear so much. Oh no, that was that, that was the next one. That was the next one. Okay. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a, he's a wealthy guy, obviously, because uh, the, the woman in the audience that asked the question says to him, "Well, you've got a, you've got a few. I think she's Australian or New Zealander, and uh, I'm not. This I don't I'm not sure where this talk was given, but there's two guys sitting on the stage. One's the uh, the host, and this guy's a guest, obviously." Um, but yeah, I mean, when I say cursing, you wouldn't expect somebody sitting on the stage who's apparently super wealthy uh, to speak that way, but he does. And I, I, think, I kind of thought, well, you know, he's not really getting his message across very well if he, if he has to resort to that kind of language, although what he said was right. What was he talking about? Uh, the w- woman asked him about uh, what you're going to do to solve climate change, the seas are rising, blah, blah, blah. And uh, he he went in the fact that he didn't mention Al Gore buying a condo on the beach, but he did mention I think he mentioned Florida uh, being the, the condo capital of uh, the United States, and uh, and he said Do you, I'm, I'm paraphrasing because I can't remember exactly what he said, mm-hmm. but he's, he's in context he was saying that uh, Do you really think the banks believe in climate change when they're willing to give out billions and billions of dollars to developers to build condos on the beach? Do you think that, that if, the, if the water rises 10 feet, that, that, that land's going to be worthless? All those properties are going to be worthless. Do you think the banks are going to get their money back? No. And they know they're, they're going to get their money back because they know that climate change is a hoax. Right. Simple as that. Mm-hmm. But it has to cost a lot in it, and I just I, I didn't understand why he had to do that. Maybe maybe it, there was a, it was a part of a longer talk. Maybe somebody uh, annoyed him or something before that, and he just lost it. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's absolutely right. All the banks know what's going on. All the banks know. Mm-hmm. You know, Al Gore knows, or they wouldn't have bought a condo on the beach, would he? Right. Um, so Obama, the, Obama, I hear, is building another huge mansion right on the coast. So. Yeah, I hear he needs a new chef. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 not, I hope he doesn't like lemon garlic chicken, because I ain't going to work for him. <laughs> well, um, this is just a, a rumor Uh, It's just a rumor, but I I think that the job requirement is you need to be a little bit more than a chef to him. Yeah, and uh, you you want to be paid danger money, I think. Uh, Or have good medical insurance. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah. So now I, I, you know, the sad truth is, is that at the top, at the, and, and I don't even mean the top of the whole scam pyramid, but at the at the level of nation leaders in politics, they all know what's going on. They know who's buttering their bread and how it's getting buttered, and they're along for the ride. And this is a very tragic thing that that a lot of people can't wrap their heads around. I still hear people who are somewhat awake or seemingly somewhat awake to a lot of what is going on. And But they'll talk about aspects of politics like it's real. And they'll even say, well, I know it's not real, but if he can get in, then he can make more choices for the Supreme Court. And that'll, you know, and it's like, wait a minute. It's either something is either real or it's not real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can't understand why I have this conversation with a lot of people and uh, I just say, well, why, why do you think that uh, the next guy coming in is going to be any better than this guy? I say, oh, because he's a Republican. I say, but mm-hmm. what, what have these guys ever done for you? Mm-hmm. Do you uh, they go, oh, he's a great guy, he's a, or a great woman or whatever it is. I say, do you know them? Mm-hmm. You met these people? Have you, have you been around the house for dinner? You know, I mean, what do you know about these people? Oh, nothing. I just see I, just what he says on the TV. I says, well, you know, Stalin, Hitler, all the all the despots in this world did exactly that. They said exactly what people wanted to hear, and uh, look what happened. Mm-hmm. I says, if you if you believe anything any politician says to you, then you're stupid. And they they, they, they take offence. I says, well, yeah, because you, you're believing something uh, from from a profession who's known to lie. So why would you believe anything if they lie once? If they if they went into court. Into a court. If you get them in a court and they lied once, that's it. Nothing they said after that would be eligible, would be taken right. as, as evidence. Nothing. Not one single word out of the mouse. And it'd be done for perjury. But they put them on the television, they, they give them all the promises, and then they get elected and they do none of it. That's okay. Yeah. You know, it's like it's like the it's like the um, FWC killing alligators. If I do it, I get three or four years in prison. But they can kill as many as they want, and nothing happens. There's no accountability. No. That's it. So, the other thing you uh, you sent me just uh, I think it was yesterday was uh, the the foreigners being brought in as police officers. Yes, well, I had done a fair bit of research on the Aspen Institute. I had thought, you know, that they were major players in what you might call culture, the music festival, the arts, even getting into, let's say, community organizing in one way or the other. But, I mean, they're, all of their trustees are members of the council. I wouldn't say all, but, you know, a good percentage, more than a third, are members of the Council on Foreign Relations. Some of them are members of the CFR and members of the Trilateral Commission. The tentacles into national and international geopolitics is just astonishing. I couldn't believe it. I mean, Henry Kissinger is a lifetime trustee of the Aspen Institute, so that gives you a little bit of an idea of who they mm-hmm. are. But when I was looking into them, I th- the research led me to two names that kept coming up, families. And one of them was the Crown family of Chicago, and the other was the Pritzker family of Chicago. Mm-hmm and major players, and I'd heard of the Pritzkers before, the crowns were new to me, but the the Pritzkers 
I'd heard of because one of the Pritzker cousins is transgender and has given to a lot of institutions, medical research institutions and universities and hospitals and so forth to push the transgender agenda, including one of the places that Jennifer Pritzker's money has gone is into military programs for transgender and promotion of the transgender agenda. But J.B. Pritzker, that is actually the brother of the transgender that I mentioned, J.B. is the governor of Illinois, and he just signed a bill allowing non-citizens to become Illinois police officers. And yeah. this is something that Alan talked about would happen uh, that was it was it Kissinger I think it was who said things will things might get to a point where American citizens are begging for foreign and you know peacekeepers. law peacekeepers yeah let's say peacekeepers yeah, yeah. <laughs> well you know I mean go back go back to the old wild west a peacekeeper was a, a pistol wasn't it yeah um yeah that what did was they that, yeah. Well, it wasn't a Colt forty-five. I can't remember what it was. It was yeah, a, it, it was the peacekeeper. Was the name of a, a kind of a pistol? Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. The peacekeepers. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Talk, talk about transgenders. There was one here that came up last week in the Daily Mail in the UK, and uh, <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. You really can't. Transgender double murderer Jessica Marie Han, who killed both her babies, will receive taxpayer-funded breast implants in California women's jail. <laughs> it's mm. just incredible. I mean, somebody, it's just, and she, the only, she was sent, or he, sorry, born Jason Michael Han, was sentenced to death in 2014 for the murders of her daughter. So, I mean, this is the, the, the way they do this, isn't it? They, they play the, the mind games with the, the him and her thing. Mm -hmm. You know, Jessica Marie Han, born Jason Michael Han, uh, was sentenced to death for the murders of her daughter. Montana and son Jason. Well, it's funny, it's a daughter and son, right? But uh, this man's a her. Right. <laughs> the decomposed remains of the two children had been discovered inside separate storage units in Arkansas and Arizona in, tw in 2002. So this is way back. Mm -hmm. It took them 12 years to get this guy. Uh, Han is now said to be awaiting breast augmentation surgery after being taken off death row and placed in a women's prison. I mean, I mean we're, we're supposed to... Um, isn't the prison system supposed to have a duty of care? Now, what about all the women in that uh, that prison? Don't, don't they have a duty of care to protect them? This has been an issue. I mean, I have seen news stories where uh, th these are prison stories where the female inmates do not feel safe. And neither they should. Yeah. I mean, but especially. I mean, can you can you imagine? I mean, this guy is these his children were ten weeks old and two months old. Oh. I mean, this guy's this guy's a savage, right? Oh. And um, can you imagine women in there who maybe have had children of their own, or you know, they're, they're women, right? Um, maybe maybe they could all get together and say, yeah, let's let's get this guy in here and we'll show him we'll show him what a woman is, you know? Because if, if uh, you know if somebody kills a woman's child, she's likely to go berserk, you know. Oh. Uh, Put, yeah, I mean, put, put them in the hands of some women who are in prison and really hard, hard kind of tough women and uh, let them know what this guy did and see what happens to him. 
and see how many men want to go into women's prisons after that. As I, as I said, I think I said last time, any any one of these uh, these creeps who goes up in front of a court or is in a male prison and says, oh, now I'm a woman, I want to go to a, a female prison, the first thing that should happen is uh, you take them down to the courthouse and the judge says, okay, we've booked your appointment to get your journalists removed tomorrow. And that's it. You know, and see how many of them change their minds. Yeah. You know, I bet it would be close to 100%. Well, you said he was. You said that he was taken off death row. Yep. You see. It doesn't say why. It doesn't why? say why. Yeah. I mean, anybody. Who, I mean, nobody should be. Uh, you know, people have their arguments about, uh, you know, the death penalty and all the rest of it. But uh, some people give up the right to life when they do something like this. It's just uh, they're not. They're not going to be. They're not ever going to be safe in society. So, now, you know, and you just reminded me, though, when you said that he was taken off of death row and then the breast implant surgery was going to be funded by taxpayers, what darted across my mind was an outfit out of San Francisco, but they're now operating in several states in the U.S. called Urban Alchemy. And Urban Alchemy is a nonprofit organization that is leading, um, hope, I was going to see if I can pull something up here. Everything seems well, just, to be behind a paywall. But Just while, um, you're, doing that, just while you're doing that, it says here, um, it was reported that Han was originally held on death row at San Quentin following his trial, but was transferred to Central California's women's facility. I, I, listen to the way, this is what it, after she began to identify as a woman, as a, as a, as a woman it says, they've spelt that wrong, mm -hmm. but surely it should read after he identified as a woman. Uh, yes, well because there's no, you can't apply <laughs> logic to insanity, right? I mean, you, you, well, you, you can't, can, well you well, can try, it, but... Well, yeah. I told you about insanity, it was Gavin Newsom that let them off, so there yeah. you go. So, if you look at... If you look at the logo, this fascinated me for Urban Alchemy. You've got a pyramid or a triangle, right? Inside a circle, and then there's something else. I don't know, it looks a little bit like a thumb. But inside the circle is the pyramid, and near the top of the pyramid is an eye, <laughs> right? Hmm. That's the logo. And what they're doing, what they say is they're transforming the energy in traumatized urban spaces. We're a social enterprise that engages with situations where extreme poverty meets homelessness, mental illness, and addiction. When a neighborhood, street, or intersection earns a reputation as a place to avoid, we turn it around. Well, how are they turning it around? When you read about this organization, what they are doing is they're getting convicted criminals released from prison. And I'm not sure the mechanism for doing this, but what reading that I did is that many of these convicts who are being released were given life sentences. Mm -hmm. A life sentence speaks to the fact that the crime that you've committed is grievous. Mm -hmm. And they are having their life sentence commuted or wiped away. They are being released onto the streets where they undergo an intense training process. Now, when you see them, I've watched a little bit of video of these guys on the streets. They're polite. They're non-confrontational. They move the homeless along. Now, where they're moving them to, I don't know. So they clean up one area of a street, but all that means is that the homeless are going over to another street. 
-hmm. But Urban Alchemy has also been hired to set up and manage for the tune of millions of dollars tent cities in um, Oregon, I believe. Oregon? They may be operating in Washington State, too, but I think Oregon is a for sure. They're also operating in Texas and numerous other states. They have moved their tentacles out. Hmm. Now, this isn't the same thing as Pritzker bringing in non-citizens to enforce the law, but what it reminds me of is the idea that, you know, what Kissinger was saying will bring in non-citizens, but they will also release just as they did in the French Revolution, what did they do? And we saw it at COVID. In COVID, they released the criminals, and they released Mm -hmm. the criminals for their own safety, right? Because if they kept them incarcerated, they were just going to be a breeding ground for COVID. This was the excuse. Yeah. They make sniffles. This yeah. was the excuse they gave us, but, you know, I mean, we're, we're now seeing this outfit, you know, Urban Alchemy, and they get a lot of praise, a lot of very good PR for what they're doing, but I, I would not feel safe if I lived in one of those cities that was having its streets cleaned up by people whose lifetime sentence had been overturned. No, of course not. I mean, the, the other thing about this, this particular story, again, is uh, clearly these weren't uh, their own children because how can you have a 10-week-old daughter and a two-month-old son at the same time? Right. That's a good point, Neil. And then they were, when they were discovered, uh, I'm scrolling down here, they were discovered in, in 2002... Well, 2002, they discovered the bodies in Tupperware containers that are with uh, multiple fractures and oh. all sorts of horrendous things. These are uh, like a 10-week-old baby. Mm. And uh, they were arrested in April 2002. So this is this is not long after they'd done this. But they were... The two were... This is the parents. Uh, the two were found... Li- well, supposed parents living in a hotel in Maine with a one-month-old named Michael. Well, where'd he come from? What? They had another another child at one month old. So clearly, these these people were being given children from somewhere. Or he was running a strange breeding program. I mean, the, you know. Well, yeah, you can't have a ten month old, a one month old, and a two month old, can you? Well, and not unless you have multiple female companions. Well, possibly, but all at the same time. That's a that's a short time period. <laughs> two months. You've got three children. Well, that is all. very bizarre. Yeah, and and the, 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 there's no questioning of it here at all. It's, uh, and the, the woman just looks, uh, I don't know, the mother of two. Well, she's the mother, see, so how could he be the mother now? Uh, of the two children, Chrissy Verns. She, she got 15 years to life. Well, what does that mean? It's either life or it's 15 years, right? I, as, I, as I say, but the guy... Again, how, how is this how is this right? The guy was sentenced to 27 to 30 years. And he's still to be tried for the daughters. It's just, surely they both get the same, you would think. But anyway, anyway, that's just, we could go on with that for hours. But uh, some, somebody's clearly, unless this guy had multiple, multiple partners, uh, but it doesn't appear to be that way, then somebody was uh, handing children over to these people. That's a very weird story. Very hmm. weird. Yeah. 
I mean, and, and, uh, and why, why would you keep the bodies in Tupperware containers if, it's, if they're that small? I mean, how difficult would it be to, to get rid of that? Were these souvenirs? They kept them in storage containers. Bizarre. I, I don't know, We're, Neil. I mean, I, I have to say that I, I, I know that it's, it, it's part of being awake to reality that you've got to look into the mouth of madness and you have to see evil and you can't turn away from these horrific things. But I, I, getting in the mind of somebody that is that disturbed is, I'll just say yeah. no thank, no thank you. <laughs> well, that, that's, what we're, that's what we are dealing with at the very top, isn't it? The same types of characters. I'm sure there's many of them who do the same thing. And possibly they are. Who knows? You know, you're absolutely right. You see, because, and this is the, dis, this is the illustration that Alan would make about the psychopath. Because what you're, let's just, let's just call this someone who would do this, who has, who doesn't know whether it's a male or it's a female, who has children that are staggered in ages too close to come from one mother, uh, and now wants breast augmentation on the taxpayer's dollar, and I, I'm not hearing remorse, right, about no. what was done to the children. This is psychopathy, at least, at the very least, you can call it psychopathy if there's not something else going on there. Well, the, uh, the, claim, the, the claim that gender dysphoria is, is no longer a, a thing, it's uh, just people are just born in the wrong bodies, but this guy is clearly seriously mentally ill, and yet he now claims to be a woman. Well, that's part of the same thing, isn't it? It's, he's a seriously mentally ill individual, and none well, of this but, should be taken seriously. But these, these leaders that the, the aliens in their book that they had printed when they came to Earth, who are saying that we just need to forgive them all of their crimes, and then we can turn our attention to saving the planet... These leaders whose crimes need to be forgiven, they are psychopaths. The difference is that they have more opportunities. They come, they have money or connections or they're chosen, they're vetted, they're groomed for the position. But I think you're absolutely right. In the case of many of our so-called leaders that we sadly are taught to worship, and defend no matter what they do they are because a psychopath is a psychopath mm -hmm. well I mean put it this way there's no way Bill Gates was going to Epstein's Island to, uh, to have coffee and cake right He's, he was there for a reason and it was nothing to do with the investment in this thing or that thing or otherwise because you can do that on a Zoom meeting yeah. Right? Or you can, you can meet a guy once or twice, that's all you need. You don't have to go 13, 14, 15 times to this private island where it's now known that these horrific types of crimes were going on mm -hmm. uh, and not know about it. Yeah. And anybody who thinks that Bill Gates is an angel and he was just uh, misinformed or made bad judgment, uh, I mean, what's wrong with these people? I know. Because I know. If, if, if somebody said that about their neighbour and it came out that, oh, my neighbour went to this, uh, this, uh, this place and there was a lot of... Uh, hanky-panky kind of stuff going on there and uh, uh, but uh, he's a nice guy and I don't think he'd be into that no that's, that's, would he really say that or they say oh god don't worry you'll be living next door to this guy I hope they arrest him soon you know but, uh, but it's Bill Gates he's, he's got the media behind him he's okay 
Speaking of Bill Gates, though, have you had an opportunity to follow any of the mosquito programs? You know, he's had the mosquito... Well, malaria. Yeah. Malaria. Yeah. 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 Texas and, and uh, Florida have got cases that's, of malaria for the yeah, first time in 20 years. Yep. And uh, nobody's asking the question, well, how could that happen? Well, it's like the it's like the all the excess deaths, you know, yeah. fifteen but to twenty percent excess deaths all across the world. What happened? Uh, what the like Alan would say, what changed? What yeah. changed? Oh. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Seven hundred fifty million mosquitoes were released. That's what changed. Yeah. Now, yeah. Uh, what's an interesting thing though is how quick the mainstream media has been to cover this up. All you have to do is just type in Bill Gates and mosquitoes or Bill Gates and Malaria, and you'll find a dozen mainstream publications saying, a Bill Gates-tied mosquito project is not responsible for recent U.S. malaria cases. Yeah, and he, and he never discussed using mosquitoes to deliver vaccines either. No. I guess. Even though he says it in his own words. Nope. That must and be false. Because that was just theoretical. It could be done in theory. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> yes. like the COVID shot was uh, just made up in like three or four months. Like they didn't yeah. have it sitting on the shelf. Oh, yeah. uh, now, now, now I see. Uh, I saw something. To, I know we're getting on a bit in time, but uh, I saw a bit uh, today or yesterday on this. They've got this uh, brand new lab, which is investigating the possibility of coming up with a vaccine for disease X, which apparently hasn't appeared yet. So it puts that whole uh, notion that you uh, you need to have the virus to uh, make the vaccine, right? Uh, uh, yeah. Well, not just just making a vaccine and hoping it comes along. Yeah, no, th this is very interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Make the vaccine and hope it comes along. I am not finding the press release at the moment, um, but I had it here. Well, th there was there is one on the continuous lab. I think it is funded in part, it could be funded in part by Gates, but it's funded in part by MIT, that much I'm for sure. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be continuous manufacture, that's in the U.S., uh, of mm -hmm. mRNA vaccines. And I just heard one this week, and I don't remember the country, but there's another country that is putting up a huge multi-million dollar lab and manufacturing facility for the same thing, what they describe as continuous manufacture. Mm -hmm. Oh, here it is. Uh, new vaccine lab opens to prepare for to prepare for the next pandemic. Over 200 scientists will work at the ultra high security Porton Down in England. Mm -hmm. The gem, the gem warfare people. Gem warfare people. Yeah, that's uh, that's what you need mm. <laughs> uh, to tackle the so-called disease X, an unknown future threat. Well, how can you tackle something if you don't know what it is? Well, you know. You've got to make a bunch of players, right? Since you said tackle, mm -hmm. I think football. So you've got to make a bunch yeah. of football players in a lab, probably with gain of function to make them really strong. And mm -hmm. then you see what you can do. Yes, it's funny, disease X. Didn't, didn't uh, Elon Musk just uh, rename Twitter X? Yeah, he loves X, you know. Yeah. SpaceX. SpaceX, yeah. Twitter X. You, know, you hear this thing about the Simpsons all the time, how they predict the future. Mm -hmm. Well, they had this they had, they had logo in one of their cartoons there quite a while back. But uh, I just wonder if uh, they look at the Simpsons and go, oh, we'll take that, and the, the conspiracy theorists will jump on it and say, oh, look at this, the Simpsons <laughs> predicted the future. You know, because it's exactly the same logo. <laughs> that he's doing with X. 
And uh, but uh, maybe there's more to that than meets the eye. I don't know, but um, yeah, it's just uh, you get you get uh, you know it's like it's like when I I was going down to the little bar down there, and uh, the Chinese balloon was going over, and that's all they talk about. Oh, the Chinese balloon! Oh, they shot it down. Yeah, oh, great, they shot it down. Yeah, going, yeah what, what else is going on? Like, I said, what else is going? On? And they say, ah, oh, but I, I don't know. But the Chinese balloon's been shot down. That's great. Mm. And like uh, I think I mentioned last time, the um, when that train was derailed in um, mm-hmm. in New Palestine, mm-hmm. and one of the guys there, I don't, I don't know if his his background is an engineer or whatever, but he's, he's quite an articulate guy, quite intelligent, seemingly, and he said, "There's no way that those brakes on that train would burn out at that heat. They're, they're made for far higher temperatures than that." And I turned around to him and said, "Well, that's the same argument as saying that uh, jet fuel will burn, it will melt steel girders." In skyscrapers, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And, and you see the switch going on in his head, but he did not reply. Really? Yeah, I see. Isn't it? It's exactly the same hypothesis they're putting out there. There's something <laughs> something impossible uh, is put out in the media, and you and you just tell me that that's impossible. It can't happen. And I'm telling you that jet fuel does not melt steel steel girders in skyscrapers, and that's that's that's. That's common knowledge <laughs> in, in, in circles, you know. And he, he, he did not reply. And I haven't seen him since. I haven't been down there for a while, so I haven't seen him since. But, um, you know, that's... Well, <laughs> if it would, then you'd be kind of scared to get on an airplane. You'd be sitting there waiting to take well, yeah, off. You'd watch him melts. fueling up the jet, you know, and you'd be like... Oh. <laughs> and melts you good. There's this thing's going <laughs> What chance have we got? Yeah. <laughs> I was looking at booking flights to the UK, uh, which I'm going to have to do the, the end of September or so when I get my passport. But uh, they give you the, the seat allocation, you know, and it, it's quite funny. The cheapest ones are at the back of the plane, which is the, the best place to be if you want to survive a plane crash. So uh, I take the back all the time. You know, if it's going to go down, it's going to go down those first. Yeah. Yeah, you stay at the back. Away from the engines. So I'll get to talk to you in September, and you won't have left yet. You're you're not. Uh, no, no, I don't think I'll get a passport until maybe the end of August, okay. uh, and then then I'll need to look for cheap flights because I'm not going to pay stupid money. Yeah. Okay. But uh, I can only I can only go for ten days, so it'll be four days off work and the weekend either end of it. Well, that'll be nice. So it's been a while since you've seen your dad, so that'll be nice. Yeah, they're both in their eighties, uh, closer yeah. to ninety than they say. But uh, yeah, my son, my son's starting to uh, talk about coming over next oh. next year. But we had this planned four years ago, and then COVID hit, and that was all cancelled. So uh, yeah, he's supposed to be coming over in April, I think. I'll see, I'll okay. see the grandkids. There's uh, four years, four years taller than my son the last time. Oh my goodness, Neil! Wow, where does he live? Scotland. Yeah, in H- Highlands yeah. or. No, no, just yeah. uh, just uh, west of Edinburgh. Ah, yeah. yeah. Nice. Well, that'll be nice. Well, that'll, that's things to look forward to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And working with the enemy. Before right. we re- before we recorded, I I thought it was going to be just a little bit late, but I made it. But I I was celebrating my aunt's ninety fourth birthday at her house. Ah. I was I was sixty last week or this week should I say yeah, yeah sixty this week. Well, you're, okay, you're, there you go. You're, you're, a, you're a young one then. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I'm only two thirds of the way there. <laughs> uh, a lifetime ahead for us to fight this horror show. Yeah. 
Well, my, my dad's 87 this year, so I've got another 27 years on me, maybe, at least. Mm-hmm. We'll see. But my, my son said that to me. He says, uh, how, old's, how old's granddad this year? I says, I think he's 87. He says, wow, I didn't think he was that old. Didn't look that old. I says, I don't look 60 either, so, and, and hopefully you've got the same genes I have. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah. That'll be a, a, something to look forward to then for you. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, say, I'll send you. I'll send you a bit of music because uh, uh, Ang- Angry North and Bossy's Bitches brought out one uh, just uh, yesterday. Oh, good. I, What's... I, I am a woman, <laughs> 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 and it's, it's basically he did a he did a little uh, like YouTube thing just where he was speaking, and mm-hmm. he, he said that this, uh, for YouTube this is a hypothetical situation, and there's this uh, <laughs> there's this uh, sexual deviance where like men get turned on by doing women's things, right? <laughs> They're actually men, but they dress up in women's clothes and then they go to women's places and that. And, uh, but the lyrics are obviously like the, the transgender thing, but men pretend to be women so they can do uh, nefarious things because uh. the government allows them to go in some places and all this kind of thing. And he does, it, he does it in a creepy voice, which is supposed to be the guy talking, you know, which is it's pretty good. Okay, good. Well, but, uh, I'll, I'll use some of that in this. Don't you tell me I'm changing the tone. You've made me feel others excluded and alone. I'm persistent like a dog with a bone. I've been known to film things on my phone. Let me in those places. I'm a woman. Let me share your personal spaces. I'm a woman. Anything else you want to send me? I've got the the growing chickens, and I'll have uh, Boris bitches. Yeah. Angry North, Angry North, and Boris bitches. Boris's. Boris's Boris's. bitches. Okay. Yeah. Good old misogyny I'm helping to bring about The breakdown of civil society And all I care for's Finding more ways and means To be pleasing me But uh, there's, um, there was something I was going to read out to you From the, the war on the week the, the Oh yes, yeah, yeah Right, here we are Okay, great. Right, hold on a second. This thing's page 101, I think. There's so many pages marked on this thing. <laughs> right, here it is. Okay. Right. Um, like, people, people are, like, I'll just, uh, this is Edwin Black, War Against the Week. Uh, Eugenics in America's Campaign to Create a Master Race. Um, and this is a chapter called The United States of Sterilization. And he's talking about uh, articles that were produced at the time. And then he says here, this is in uh, 1915, uh, the articles did not stop, however, crusading journalists and commentators began to expose American eugenics as a war of the wealthy against the poor. On October 14th, 1915, the Hearst newspapers syndicated a series of powerful editorials pulling no punches. Typical was an editorial in the San Francisco Daily News. And it's headlined, Where to Begin? The millions of Mrs. Harriman relict of the great railroad promoter assisted by other millions of Rockefeller and Carnegie 
are to be devoted to sterilization of several hundred thousands of American defectives annually as a matter of eugenics. It is true that we don't yet know all that the millions of our plutocracy can do to the common folks. We see that our moneyed plutocrats can own the governments of whole states. So they knew back then that the governments are owned, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Override constitutions, maintain private armies to shoot down men, women and children. I think he's referring to the Rockefellers there. That's um, right. Minor uh, strike. Ludlow. Yes. And railroad innocent men to life imprisonment for murder or lesser crimes. And if we submit to such things, we ought not to be surprised if they undertake to sterilize all those who are obnoxious to them. Of course, the proposition depends much on who are to be declared defective. The old Spartans, with war always in view, used to destroy at birth boys born with decided physical weakness. Some of our present-day eugenicists go further and damn children before their birth because of parents criminally inclined. Then we have eugenic defectives in the insane and the incurably diseased. The proposition is not wholly without justification, but isn't there another sort of defective who is quite as dangerous as any but whom discussion generally overlooks, especially discussion by the senile, long-haired pathologists and long-eared college professors involved in the Harriman Rockefeller scheme to sterilise? A boy is born to millions. Now, this this will sound familiar to everybody. A boy is born to millions. He either doesn't work, isn't useful, doesn't contribute to human happiness, is altogether a parasite, or else he works to add to his millions with the brutal, insane greed for more and more that caused the accumulation of the inherited millions. Why isn't such the most dangerous defective of all? Why isn't the prevention of more such progeny the first duty of eugenics? Such defectives directly attack the rights, liberties, happiness and lives of millions. Talk about inheriting criminal tendencies. Is there a ranker case of such than the inheritance of standard oil, criminality as evidenced in the slaughter of mothers and their babies at Ludlow? Sterilisation of hundreds of thousands of the masses by the Harrimans and Rockefellers. Let's first try out the defectiveness of the sons of billionaires. Let's first sterilise where sterilisation will mean something immediate, far-reaching and thorough in the way of genuine eugenics. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. Can you imagine that in the news today? Uh-uh. And that's no. spot on. It is spot on. That's and you, spot- know, you know, when you were reading that, you, you, I just got this horrifying thought that went through my mind. You know, people go, well, they would never do that. You're talking about uh, the vaccine injury and death that people are still denying. You're talking about being mm-hmm. sprayed from the sky like bugs. You try to explain to people what is going on. Well, they would never do that. You're reading a book, War on the Week, and you're talking about the heyday of the eugenics movement. And as we know, longtime listeners to Alan know that Hitler got his eugenics notions from the British and the Americans. But I need mm-hmm. to, I, I, I have to make a reminder here to people. States within the United States were still doing forced sterilization as late as the 1970s. Mm-hmm. It's so important because mind control, the programming that we're under, that we're born into, this elaborate system that we're born into, it just keeps ticking and tweaking what you're given every few years and you go along and things become normal and so again we look at these billionaires who are there to help us and that's how we see them but this is an ancient eugenics program 
forcing sterilization on people. Well, even even during the Second World War, it explains that book. They were still uh, going back and forward between American eugenicists and the German ones mm-hmm. all through the war. Mm-hmm. They were still exchanging letters and having conferences with them and all, this, yeah. all the rest of it. And uh, they're still are today. The, yes, you know. they are. They, I mean, nothing has changed. If this is going on, uh, you know, and people, they simply want to talk about this as a racist thing while they were doing it to people of color. No, 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 no. This is a this is them against us and it has been a ruling oligarchy against the peasants for thousands of years. M- millennia, millennia. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's just a bit more uh well I, I, you know I, I was going to say more sophisticated but it's pretty obvious if you're paying attention to what's going on it's not yeah. sophisticated at all it's just blatant. It is blatant. Now, now it's it, blatant. Yeah. It, it really I mean, is. They got away with it a long time by putting stuff in the food and all the rest of it. But this, this, what's happened the last three and a half, four years is, is blatantly obvious what they're doing. It absolutely and, uh, is. It's, you know, I know that people are strong under mind control who still believe safe and effective, who are still going in for boosters. You know, none of the fallout stories are hitting home. But, you know, be that as it may, it's blatant. It's, it's obvious. Yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, safe and effect. Safe and effect is is going down in a, you know, <laughs> a shark cage made of string. Yeah, that's right. You know, do you want do you want to go in that safe and effective? <laughs> go swim with the sharks, because that's that's what we're doing. We're, we're swimming with sharks. Yeah, yeah. And, and we've well, got no, except your own brain. Well, listen, we're we're going to wrap it and run, but I do want you to just tell folks um, what you were saying to me about growing a garden. Just grow a garden. Collect your seeds. Yeah, yeah. wherever you are in the world, whatever you can grow in whatever season, uh, grow it. Whatever grows easiest. doesn't matter if you're, you don't like Brussels sprouts, you know, or whatever. You might need to. You might need to like them because uh, they could save your life. Um Anything, anything that will grow where you are, grow it. Whether it's here in Ireland or Scotland or you know, any of those countries with actual dirt, uh, <laughs> grow potatoes, whatever. You know, grow, grow stuff that you can grow quickly and, uh, and stuff you can save. Yeah. You know, that's it. Just do it. I mean, you don't, you don't have, you know, people say you're a specialised canner to do all this kind of stuff. You don't really, uh, if, you're, if you're going to eat it within, you know, a month or two, you don't need any of that stuff you just uh, do it in a big pot with some water and uh, as long as you've got uh, jars that'll seal themselves that's, that's it yeah. well, it's that's, quite easy that, that quite is easy. good that is good advice because i think the thing you know what i think about every day is yes this is bleak it is we are living through a horror show and when we when we can sit with it and take the awful news day in and day out People, you know, the people go, well, give us some hope, give us the good news, give us, you know, well, I'm sorry, there, there isn't really good news, but on an individual basis, there are things that we can do to take care of our loved ones and to f- feed ourselves the best that we can and live to fight another day. Yeah, and you've got to keep doing things that you like doing. There's no point yeah. sitting in front of the computer all day moping about it and uh, thinking, oh, the, yeah. we're doomed, we're doomed, we're doomed, no. We're not doomed yet. No, that's right. (laughs) I'm going to be talking with you again the second week of September and really look forward to that and the back and forth chat as we share articles in the the weeks that follow. 
So thank everybody for listening. And next week, I'm just going to say, next week I'm going to be talking to Brandon Turbeville. And those longtime listeners of Alan may remember Brandon is a writer. He's written many, many articles for... A lot, he's done a lot for Activist Post and for other outlets, and he's covered Syria extensively. He's been writing about Ukraine most recently. He has just written at least two new books in the last year plus, so I'm looking forward to talking to him. And thank you, Neil, for joining me today. Yep. I, I interviewed Brandon quite a few times. I, I remember day. that. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I will say hello to him, and I think uh, you know. Hopefully, this will just be the first time with him. But there, there may be a time when the three of us want to uh, get together and and all yeah. three talk. So yeah, sure. I'll mention that. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Oh!